This is Eric and Jordan from My Brothers and I. This is Anthony Medici from Liquid Light. This is Mike Collins from Mets Ryan and Collins. This is Annie, Rebecca, and Katie. And we are The, the Cabin, Cabin Project. Project. This is Travis from the audio sequence. I'm Jason Amare, and you're listening to Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX on PRP. What's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday evening. It feels like Portland again. We got our rain back this week, uh, and it feels good. Uh, my special guest tonight is Chris Margolin of Chris Margolin and the Dead Bird Collection. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. How are you? Am I right about the rain? Yeah, I love it. I love everything about it. It's finally not, you know, 90-whatever. Um, yeah, I, there's a, you know, Portland, Portland's amazing. I mean, it's the, yeah, this right here, the, you know, the gray clouds... Right here is perfect for me. I'm not a I'm not a fan of the uh, the summer heat. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe it's... if I was a little more svelte. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it's gone. Uh, well, we I haven't had you on the show before. We've talked. Uh, last time I saw you was at the Mogo Music Festival. Right. We did the pre-show interview, and you guys were incredible that evening. Uh, what a great event! But now I've got you on the show. I want to go down kind of through your history. Talk to you about what influenced you, yeah. instruments, nightmares, you know, anything. So it's up to you. Uh, we're going to kick things off here with the PDX Spotlight playlist. We will be back more with Chris Margolin right here is Elbow on PRP. Some of my favorite from across the pond. That's Elbow with Grounds for Divorce here on Portland Radio Project. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. My special guest is Chris Margolin from Chris Margolin and the Dead Bird Collection. Now, I don't normally do this, right? <laughs> and we were just talking about, like, the standard questions for interviews. But I do have right. to ask you, okay. before we go uh, into your history, put in a frame what the Dead Bird Collection is. Okay, so... Uh... And I hope this unfolds through the night, but let's give a... Uh, a snapshot of what this is. I, I guess we'll start from kindergarten. Perfect. So in kindergarten, I had a weird obsession. Uh, I used to find dead birds um, and put them in my backpack and take them home. I'm sure your folks um, loved. It got me new backpacks. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so it started, it started there. I, I had some weird idea that I could help them. Um, and then, you know, my... Uh, as I started to date, my parents used to equate my uh, my girlfriends to dead birds. Um, I can see where this is going. So, you know, and uh, and ex-wives or wife, um, you know. So so we uh, we developed this uh, this dead bird collection agency. Uh, it became an odd theme, and I uh, you know I'm, I'm covered in bird tattoos. You as are, it is. yeah. Uh, I put a bird on it. Some of them long before Portlandia put a bird on anything. Yeah, before they even said uh, put a bird yeah. on it. Yeah, so uh, it just it, it kind of morphed into uh, kind of a an unfortunate mantra and a reminder of of what I didn't want to get back to. Hmm. Um, and and uh, the song uh, "Dead Bird" um, it was written. It was kind of the uh, the post divorce song. And so, you know, it was kind of one of those, we got to this point, this was my reason for that. And it was just that good reset button. Mm. Um, and that just, the, the idea of, of the Dead Bird Collection as a, as a band name just always kind of sounded awesome. It's way cool. It, it is. And I, I, I feel really good that I didn't use it on a different project so I could do, you know, this is one that can stick with me and I don't feel bad, you know, if, if you know, members come and go, um, like, for example, our keyboardist is, is heading off to, uh, he's moving out of state. So, you know, as people come and go, this is the name of the project. Um, and I don't have to go back and, and worry that other people are going to get upset about it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, but it just, you know, it's, it started with, with an album that I wanted to do as a diary. And the reality was this was uh, kind of an end cap on all of the, the things that I had been through before. Uh, that led to the Dead Bird Collection. So it just, it was a nice, the album was going to be a nice reminder of that. I mean, I took songs that I'd played in previous projects um, and kind of brought them to, to a different, a very different sound. And it just became, it became, it became the right way to do it. Um, and then I kind of thought about the band part afterward. <laughs> uh, 
Well, you, you, like you said to me earlier, um, there was a song you sent me today that you just renamed. Right. And, and I said, you know, I'm excited to, to play uh, Fume. And we do have that in the second hour coming up. Uh, but you said it's been such a, a different name. And I, that makes me think back to, to, like, when I used to make set lists for my bands. I had to put different names for, like, the drummers and, and the bass because they didn't learn the real mm-hmm. names. You know what I mean? But I think you're saying you're at a point now where the maturation as a musician is allowing you to kind of capitalize on this. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think... Uh, Part of the reason, you know, we, we changed the name of the song is because the original title was Wrecking Ball and uh, Miley Cyrus ruined that and uh, Ryan Adams made it brilliant and I don't want to steal either of those spotlights. So, you know, we had to change it up a little bit and, and Wrecking Ball really, I mean, it's, it's the song where I had a bad habit at one point of writing breakup songs before I would break up with people and that was one of them. Huh. And uh, and it was unfortunate, you know. I didn't always know that that's what it was going to be, but it was it was very much that situation. And yeah, so it just it, it became a when I was in Frame by Frame, we we had written it in Frame by Frame toward the end of it, and uh, it just really became this big symbolic song. And it was it was great for that project, and and the way we've morphed it for for this new project is just it's brought a whole new life to it. It's fantastic. I can't wait for everybody to Thank hear you. it. Um, so we're going to get to the PDX Spotlight playlist. Go back to that. So let's take a step back because I wanted to put early on in the playlist uh, the Nirvana track you sent in, um, Even in His Truth. So let's talk about some of your early memories with music and then possibly how that ties in with this song. All right. So uh, I started playing viola when I was seven or eight, um, and that kind of became the major project um, you know, trying out for the Portland Youth Philharmonic, failing miserably, but trying out for it at least. Um, and then I went to outdoor school, and my outdoor school counselor snuck in a, uh, a single of, uh, of Smells Like Teen Spirit and Even In His Youth. And Even In His Youth was the first song he put on. Um, and it was one of those, you know, we all had to huddle around because we're not supposed to have, you know, Walkmans or boomboxes or whatever uh, in outdoor school. And and he hit play, and I had never heard anything like it before. Because, um, you know, to be perfectly honest, my my first two CDs that I ever bought were uh, the Mariah Carey Unplugged album and John Cicada's self-titled CD. Uh, that is... I was, I was real hip back then. And, and frankly, you know, I still listen to the Mariah Carey album. It's a fantastic album. Uh, but that was the first, the first real, like, there was something about those guitar tones. And immediately when I got home, I, I told my parents, I, I'm going to stop playing viola. I'm going to go buy a guitar. Um, you know, go, well, please go buy me a guitar. Right. <laughs> um, and it was, it was a really good decision. Yeah. And then I got, I got really invested in that Seattle music sound. And it, it definitely led to, I never really wanted to play guitar, uh, to play guitar. And, and frankly, I'm, I, I'm good at strumming some chords, but I never really learned how to play guitar. Um, I wanted to sing, and I wanted to put lyrics out there. I had a horrible voice. I don't think anybody loves their voice when they sing, but back then at 16, 15 years old, I had a terrible voice. That surprises um, me, because you seem to sing effortlessly. I mean, there's... It's gotten a lot easier, Yeah, uh, but it's it just... I think back then I was really trying to be Seven Mary Three and make my voice as gravelly as possible. Like Rock King uh, album? Yeah, Rock, like yeah. There's, there was something about that that I wanted, and, and then I had to realize that I, I just needed to sing um, and just you know try to not mimic something that I wasn't. And the playlist actually has a lot of that. We've got uh, Nirvana, Our Lady Peace. Um, you mentioned Mariah Carey earlier. We don't have her on, but you included <laughs> yeah. Sarah McLaughlin. I did. Um, but there's other artists that, um, you know, a lot more singer-songwriter um, that we're going to dive into, but I digress. Right now, we're going to get to the heavier stuff. This is one of the early sparks for Chris here on Portland Radio Project, Nirvana. <laughs> Thank you. 
That's Our Lady Peace here on Portland Radio Project. My special guest is Chris Margolin from the Chris Margolin and Dead Bird Collection. Or what's the most or least redundant way to say that? I'd just say Chris Margolin. Chris works. Margolin. I mean, I. It's implied that you have a collection of dead birds. Yes. We've covered that. <laughs> I, I have pictures on my phone of the actual of actual dead birds. It's uh, and now my my daughter will find them and point them out to me. Oh, and do her grandparents laugh at you? No, no. they. She she points them out and runs because she you know as as everybody should. <laughs> I took a quick, quick picture. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, I want to talk to you about your your songwriting evolution yeah. and. Uh, you know, some of your previous bands. Um, so some of the bands that you have been in, obviously Lucy Gray, Frame by Frame, Chris Margolin and the Dregs. Um, with these bands, how has like your lyrics or song content progressed? You said some of the, the songs are older, but has there has there been a progress there? Um, actually, it's funny. I, I found, I dug up some old, uh, some old Jealous Rage stuff the other day, and uh, it was my old high school band um, with the drummer from, the, from Chris Margolin and the Dregs. But it was... I was listening to that and I heard a lot of what I was going for, you know, a better version now of what I was going for then. Um, and I hadn't, I didn't remember doing that because at that time I thought I was making, you know, rock music or whatever. And I was really making bad music, but it was, it was definitely like it wanted to be there. And I don't even think I was listening to that. I wasn't listening to that type of music. So hmm. it was cool to hear that. And then I didn't really play too much in college. I had a, a really short-lived college band. Um, and then after that, I wanted I wanted an outlet for my music. And I, I called up uh, Jason Lusk, who's in a great band called Brigadier, a good punk rock band. I called him up because I was familiar with him, and we always played really well together. And we decided to, to give a... We, we started a band called Kimura, uh, which morphed eventually into Chris Margolin and the Dregs. And that, you know, Portland music is super incestuous. Uh, so, you know, parts of the Dregs went through a few different a few different guitar players before we found Matt Kebby, who then Matt Kebby and I went on to become Frame by Frame. But that that band was, it was pretty cool because it took us on a good ride. We, uh, Dean Kateri, who was at Kink at the time, somehow found a copy of a, of a song we had, you know, released on Pure Volume or whatever it was back then or MySpace. And he put it on a Kink CD. And then uh, the booker from, from Doug Fur called and asked if we wanted to do a show um, and somehow gave us, uh, I think it was a Saturday night, just on a whim. Jeez. And we put together a, a really good bill. I think it was Mosby, which is parts of audio sequence, and uh, one for many, uh, but before they were one for many, Far Cry. It was a hell of a bill, and uh, it sold out. And then we got bigger show offers, and we opened up for the Proclaimers and the Bodines, which was <laughs> really terrible 80s music. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, playing the sold-out show at the Aladdin. I mean, I, I, I haven't done much bigger than that, and those moments are the moments why we do this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that band had a, you know, toward the end, there were a lot of personality issues. And, you know, really, we recorded the last album without really talking to each other. But Kebby and I started writing songs that just didn't fit the mold that I had kind of created. They were a real partnership of songwriting, which I'd never done before. So we needed a name for it. We needed an exit plan from, from the dregs. And we... Through some mutual friends of mine, uh, there was a, a really cool band called Stone the Murder. Um, they're not around anymore, but I convinced they were a metal band, and I convinced their bass player, who has stuck with me from frame by frame to now, um, I convinced Dave to uh, to join and bring his drummer Kyle along, and uh, somehow we were able to combine my like pop, weird pop songwriting and Kebby's weird pop songwriting, heavy metal, and find that like happy medium, you know, which for us was really, I mean, for me, I'm a fan of 90s music. So for yeah. me, it was, it was late 90s sound, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and we did some really cool shows, but I don't, you know, I, I didn't really ever expect to get anywhere with the dregs. I mean, I really, we were a bar band, and that's all I kind of wanted to be. Um, and we got lucky. We got really, really lucky. Right place, right time. Um, I had, you know, a friend who gave Dean the song, awesome. I can't be more grateful for that. Mm. But 
that's kind of the pinnacle of a lot of things that Portland musicians can do. Absolutely. So it was whatever I got from there was just it was just cool, you know. And I've I've played Doug for a number of times in the last seven eight years. Sure, yeah. Um, and there's no greater feeling. I you know it, that's for me that's the best club in Portland, and and there's no better feeling than being on that stage. And if I never do anything bigger than that, I'm all right with that. Yeah. Because I don't really, I'm a Portland musician. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my, my expectations have always been, you know, from 16 years old to now, my expectations have always been, yay, I get to play a show. I might get to record some music. That's my expectation. Some people might show up if one person is in the crowd, which we've all played the shows where our parents are the only people in the crowd. <laughs> That's awesome. Somebody showed up to support us, and the sound guy didn't go home. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a successful. It night. was a great <laughs> night. That's and that's that's what that's all you can ask for. And and I've always music is not a day job, you know. No. And that's music is a music is a hobby for me. And there have been some cool moments within that. But I love putting bills together for shows. I. I absolutely love finding the right fit for things and, and knowing that certain bands will work in certain spaces. I love the energy of being in a room with other musicians, but it's a hobby. I mean, I don't sit at home and, and play music all the time. I, I don't. I have guitars all over the house, way too many. My wife will definitely tell you way too many, and I agree with her. And she really liked that I said that. But, uh, you know, I don't pick them up. You know, I, I go to practice once a week. And I love it because it's that sanity break. Sure. You know, I, I, have, a, I have a difficult job. So it's, it's a sanity break to go play music, but it's not, it's never been, to be self-sustaining is all I've ever wanted in music. And the Dregs are the only band that accomplished that. Hmm. Uh, we never paid for a practice space. We never did, we, we never put out money for things. And it was, it was a crazy ride and, and none of us will tell you how we did it. And it was cool because to be self-sustaining, you can't get better than that. Yeah, that's the best. Um, yeah, it pays for itself. Sweet. That's killer. Um, yeah, it's it's tough to explain and look back at your your own evolution I, because it's hard to be. You know, are you being objective enough as well? Uh, well, talk to me about uh, the next artist we have on the list. You and I have talked about him tonight, Ryan Adams. What does he mean to you? Uh, a lot. There was a point where I was listening to a ton of rock music pop music as well like uh, you know some R&B type of stuff and and I just I was so tired of there not being a story in any of the songs anymore hmm. and then to look at my own stuff and realize well there's not much of a story in my stuff either it's it's a lot of words and uh, but it doesn't always mean something and so I I had a friend give me uh, uh, they gave me a copy of uh, of Ryan Adams Gold and there was just something about that sound that kind of turned it was sort of like listening to Nirvana at twelve. It it flipped a switch, um, and and it was all about the songwriting. And I realized, you know, the minimal amount of chords that I know, and you know, it, it hasn't progressed over the years. So the minimal amount of chords that I know, <laughs> um, that you could actually do that, and that you could make it about the vocals, you could make it about the lyrics more than anything about the lyrics. And it was just the first time in a long time I had heard someone just absolutely pour their heart out. There's not much mystery with Ryan Adams. No, there really, yeah. there really isn't. I mean, you know, you, and you get what you get with him. When you get hardcore junkie Ryan Adams back in the day, you get him walking off stage if you, you, know, if you say anything to him throughout the entire show. But now you get this, this, just, this songwriter who stands on stage and he owns it. And he, you feel everything that he's doing. Yeah, he's he's one of the most intentional artists. He is. For sure. Well, this is another influence of Chris Marglin, my special guest here on Sounds of PDX. This is Ryan Adams here on PRP. Sarah McLaughlin, another influence of Chris Margolin. She's a killer songwriter, man. She is. I, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, my my dad is is. I mean, my dad's the the reason why I'm so into music. Um, I mean, he was sitting me down in front of speakers at six months old, you know, listening to Beach Boys albums and Good man. and Led Zeppelin and you know the Who and so I grew up on you know on that and I grew up on classic just blues songwriting. Um, 
Like Delta and, Blues type stuff? Oh, Delta Blues. Yeah, oh, yeah. Good. I mean, going back to Charlie Payton, like early Delta Blues. Um, and then the other side was just really, um, both my parents are into really strong female vocalists. Um, and and so, you know, I was going to, I mean, I went to Lilith Fair, you know, when she started up with that. And I saw her on the, you know, on the Afterglow tour. and. and mm -hmm. Definitely, and it's funny because you know it's one of those things. It's like this, you know, this kind of hidden whatever. But she's she's a great songwriter. Yeah. Or, you know, what whatever team she's working with and whatever she's putting out, it's for the most part been good. You know, I don't want to watch her commercials. But, that's uh, yeah. That's the thing we need to talk. But but the music's <laughs> the music's great. I mean, don't hurt animals. The one uh, the one but, song that you know. Yeah. I also don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> vomit when I see a commercial <laughs> on TV. Well, you've got some exciting things coming up next week. And first, I do want to mention, this is really cool. Um, you were twice nominated for the Best Male Artist <laughs> at Portland Music Awards. Yeah. I like your self-deprecation. Uh, no, you Humility. know, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. That's um, really cool. It, it, the Portland Music Awards were, uh, they had some issues along the way. Um, they were a lot of fun to go to. It was a great, great, uh, it was a great way for musicians to gather at one place at one time. And that was the best part of it. Um, the awards were kind of secondary, although the people who won them absolutely deserved them. I mean, there's, there's no question about the, the caliber of people sure. who, who were there. Um, but yeah, it was cool. It was a, it was a good experience. You know, it, uh, it was a nice boost to confidence. Good glorified connection um, party. Yeah, and that was and that was the big thing. I mean, yeah. we that was that was again. It was back in the dregs days, and and it was one of those things that we could say this, you know, that I had this nomination, and that put us in the door at a few you know a few different places. It definitely helped, you know, going on a like a little tour. It definitely helped doing things like that, saying, you know, I'm nominated for something, even Absolutely. though something doesn't mean anything outside of Portland. They don't, they don't know they that. They don't know that. That's, yeah, it's huge. <laughs> well, you mentioned it in the last segment, um, the Doug Fur Lounge is your favorite in town, and you're playing there next Thursday, a week from tonight, September yeah. 8th. And right now we're going to do some guest pass giveaway. Is Absolutely. that cool? Yeah. All right. So if you want guest passes to next week's show, it's Chris Margolin. The Dead Bird Collection. Text PRP to eight three three five zero right now. Uh, we will give some out uh, a little bit later as well. We've got hats and shirts, but this is the biggie. Snag this one right now. And we want to talk about this because uh, the next song I'm going to play you released just last month. This is uh, Blood Runs Dry. Yeah. What does this one mean? This is. I uh, love the lyrics. Thank you. This is a. Uh, um, I, I don't think anybody writes happy songs. Uh, until now, I mean, that's Blood Runs Dry was kind of it came at that end cap time, um, and it just it really I feel like that was the good transitional time because I'm in a I'm in a great place and have been for a while. I mean, I you know it's I've never felt better. I've never been in a better spot, um, and that song was kind of the end of that era. Hmm. Um, and frankly, I, my my wife, uh, my wife Courtney, does some of the backup vocals on that. Oh, okay. Um, or does the backup vocals on that, and and having her on that meant, you know, meant everything. To yeah, me. it was just a, it was a really really cool experience. And I didn't know that. Yeah, she's got a beautiful voice. Yeah, she does and, a great job. She's, I mean, she's on four or five songs on the album, and. And she's yeah, she's she's incredible. She gonna pop on stage at Doug Fur? Uh she is, she is. Yes. She's uh, she's gonna sing this song with us. How rad, um, that's great. Yeah. Well here it is, released last week. This is Chris Margolin and the Dead Bird Collection, Blood Runs Dry here on Portland Radio Project. Man, that song, I had to say, the strings on it are so awesome. It's a great melody, great counter melodies. Is, it, know, is, it, a, is it a fiddle? Is it a... Gene, uh, so Gene plays in a band called Falconheart. She is, she is an amazing uh, viola and violin player. Um, and uh, so I've had, nothing, I, I've had nothing to do with this recording, which is kind of weird for me to say. I've, well, let me rephrase I have very little to do. Um, when I started this project, uh, I didn't have a band. 
Um, so there was really, I mean, there was, I, I, Lucy Gray was in its formative stage. Um, it was a cold December. I somehow got talked into putting together 12 demo songs. Hmm. Um, and, and Chris Ficht, uh, who was the bass player for Lucy Gray, bass player for Marco Luna, uh, one of the best guys around, um, he, he decided to take on this monster project of uh, taking my songs from, from demo stage, uh, just me and an acoustic guitar, to what has now become the album. And he and Aaron DeRoso, who is uh, who's, who's still the drummer, uh, he, and, and an incredible, incredible drummer, uh, the two of them sort of crafted the sound of, of what would become this album. And then and Fick recorded you know, guitar and bass and, you know, lap steel and everything except for strings, horns, um, y you know, he, he did it all. You're a trusting um, man. Not a lot of I, artists well, would do I, that. And the, the part of that was that I had recorded these songs with other bands before. So the reality was I was way too close to them to, to do it again. So I, I gave it to him. I gave him some, you know, some examples of sort of the music I was going for. Um, and he just took it and ran. And it, you know, it took two years to do this thing. Um, and, and he, you know, somehow managed to find time to get this thing done. Um, and it's, you know, it's going through, it's going through its final stages. And it's just, it's truly a diary at this point. And it's i mean it's it's pretty awesome well so far what i've heard is is extremely you know introspective and and personal which as a songwriter i love and those are the artists i attach myself to yeah. um we're going to be playing later in the like we said in the second hour the song called fume that's a new one with a brand new title today actually uh but if you would like again to win those guest passes to see chris margolin and the dead bird collection next week at doug fur Text PRP to 83350 right now. If you're listening to us, you are on PRP.FM. We've got the talk board there. Hit us up. Say hello to Chris. Submit any questions you would like. But first, I've got two questions for some listeners that submitted them this week to me for you. Listener number one said, if you could put together your own super group, who would it be, each person, and why? Um, I guess I did say I wouldn't put you, you on know, the spot. No, you know what? It's... <laughs> See the the thing is this like that you could, I could go and say you know I want Jimmy Page and whatever, but honestly, I think you know and some other members of other bands might hate me for saying this, but honestly Lucy Gray to me was kind of they were the supergroup that I had been waiting for. Hmm. Um, I mean to watch to watch Dan and Josh you know they're now doing it in the audio sequence. Um, but to watch the two of them write songs, you know, Ficht and I, we kind of stood back for a lot of it and, and let the two of them craft these these really intricate, you know, hard rock, just monster songs. Um, you know, I had never just sang for a band before. Um, and, and, you know, the <laughs> they kind of pulled me out of a... I was I was at a really angry spot with music and I didn't want to play any shows and I was done with bands and you know throwing the musician temper tantrum um and they they sucked me back into it pretty quickly and and just they're kind of the supergroup I mean watching Ficht and Dan lock up on the rhythm section I've I've never heard a rhythm section like that um and you know we had a really cool run and then and then Ficht is off in New York uh getting a master's degree at NYU and, and, you know, I, we couldn't be more proud of what he's yeah. doing. Uh, you and know, he's and done great work. He's working with Goldfoot, oh, um, audio sequence, yeah. EP. He's, he's, he's keeping killer. really, really busy. Uh, somehow he's getting his, his homework done and, and recording. <laughs> um, so I don't know how he sleeps or when he sleeps or if he sleeps. Uh, but so he's, it's the Doug for Red Bull effect as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's incredible. Um, and he's done a, I mean, he's he's kind of changed the way that I thought of my own music. So. Mm. Wow, what a compliment. Uh, listener number two submitted three questions for you. <laughs> out of all the bands you've been in, what band did you gain the most out of and why? And I think maybe you just answered that. I, You know, prob actually, probably 
as far as gain the most out of, I, I have to go back to the dregs. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, really, I didn't know what songwriting was before that. I kind of wrote songs, um, but they were just songs. Uh, and then to be able to play, you know, in the early days, our first guitar player was this guy, Nathan Blank. Um, and then to transition from him to, to Matt Kevy, it was a, I mean, those were the, those were the key moments. Mm. So I think that was kind of, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have kept writing songs, you know, I wouldn't have gotten better if it wasn't for those guys yelling at me to get better. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs a friendly it, a it musician was. to spar were, with. We were really, really good with criticism, not always constructive criticism, but there was a lot of <laughs> you suck, do it again. Uh, That's good. At least, yeah. at least the egos weren't there Honestly, during that. <laughs> Honestly, it works. Uh, next question from the listener is, if you could play a sold-out venue, which venue would it be and why? Crystal Ballroom. Why? Um, ever since I started going there as a, as a high school student, there's been something about that venue that that's kind of the, you know, I love like the Aladdin is definitely, I mean, that was a dream show. Uh, if there's one venue though, playing the crystal, something about that atmosphere and that, you know, I know it's not the greatest, always the, you know, what the, the way the stage is set up. I love that place. It's charming. And, and just, if I could get on, you know, Hell, I'd play a five, you know, a five-minute spot at a show like that, just to get on that stage. And and you know, I'm super envious of every band that comes through and gets, you know, I. It's just the Doug Fur is my all-time favorite venue, but I think Crystal Ballroom is is definitely a close second. It's in the it's in the main artery of Portland. Yeah. It definitely feels that way. So the last question from this listener is: Do you think Josh Meyer is the best guitar player in Portland, <laughs> Oregon? Yes. If the answer is no, then why? <laughs> <laughs> well, since uh, let's see, um, you know he's he's definitely in the top two guitar players I've ever played with, and probably the best guitar player I've played with. Um, and and I think for you know Josh doesn't he doesn't publicize himself, he doesn't get out there, but I've never heard somebody play like him, um, and that was what drew me to Lucy Gray. Uh, I had never heard that sound before, so I would put him up there. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody really knows his name or knows about him. They probably know the audio sequence. They may have, may have somehow heard of Lucy Gray, but yeah, he's he's really really good. great performer too. Yeah. Easy to photograph. Yeah. Um, and those questions were actually submitted by Dan Lawrence and Josh Shot Meyer. Me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna move on to in the playlist here, PDX Spotlight playlist. John Moreland is an artist. Um, Hang me in the Tulsa uh, County sky or stars. This is a live performance from um, a vineyard, and maybe you know more about it. You can share with our our listeners. Um, honestly, for me, I I had the incredible opportunity to open for him at Dante's, uh, probably about a year before he kind of became that that known. You know, had some of those late night shows uh, pick up on him finally, and people start to know who he was. Um, but man, watching him is a religious experience. Yeah, he, uh, he's a big dude, and he uh, he owns every ounce of that stage, um, and he's got a voice that I I don't know. I it's pretty you'd, special. You'd be hard pressed to find another voice like that. For this being a live recording, that's the first thing that impressed me. I wasn't familiar with him, and I'm glad you brought him in because I need to dig into his collection. Oh, yeah. This is John Moreland here on PRP. Crystal Village by Pete Yorn here on Portland Radio Project. We have Chris Margolin in studio with us. And one of the bands you brought into the playlist is Finger Eleven. You said you've seen them a ton. Uh, yeah, way too many times. Uh, about 38 times. And my wife's going to love that. It's, you know, and it's really, it, honestly, it's pathetic. Like, it's, it really is. <laughs> like, I, they played a large cluster of shows a few years in a row in a very short amount of time. And I... I just decided that that was my thing for a bit. Um, do you have a Finger Eleven tattoo in all of those? Yeah. You do? <laughs> you 
Yes. Yeah, after after yes. the first cluster of shows I played, uh, their their guitar player James Black drew up a he did their cover art typically, and he drew up a piece for me. And yeah, I did. oh, he did an original. He did Grace the Blue Skies cover. Yeah, yeah man, beautiful. It was that era, and he uh, yeah he he drew up a piece for me. And that is so rad. I do have that. Yeah, I love it. Well. We're on the radio, so you, I'm not going to force you to show it. And this is a song from that album, The Greatest of Blue Skies. This is Finger Eleven, a band from up north in Canada. Our friends with Stay and Drowned here on Portland Radio Project. block of Canadian bands, Finger 11 and Big Wreck. That's some really good stuff. Uh, we've got some live music coming up with my special guest, Chris Margolin. Um, and I wanted to ask you, you said early on that you played um, violin or viola. viola. Uh, and then guitar was your next instrument. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't. I mean, I've, I've had a viola and we can say that I played. Okay. Uh, sure. You owned one I at owned one. Time. one I, yeah. <laughs> Who are some of the early um, guitarist that that inspired your playing. Um, like I said earlier, I got brought up on a lot of a lot of blues stuff, and I was. I mean, my dad really like Led Zeppelin was that was where I th- thought originally, and then I got really into Stevie Ray Vaughan, and mm. um, and then hit about sixteen, seventeen, and well, probably like fifteen, sixteen. Uh, uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd was just you know he was this prodigy blues guitar player yeah um blue on black yeah and the uh there was i I loved that so i think really that that was kind of i mean i remember i think the first song i ever learned was or at least the first riff i ever learned was uh the opening to steve ray vaughn's tin pan alley oh man like i think so you know and that was that's what i was brought up on and i didn't you know i didn't really hold on to a lot of that stuff um which is unfortunate i didn't i wasn't good at paying attention to lessons (laughs) Uh, I I think I wasted. I'm sorry, mom and dad. Yeah, I wasted a lot of money. <laughs> at least at least you got your chops there. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's really cool. And you you have an amazingly beautiful guitar here. It's the 438th Taylor <laughs> ever made. Did I remember that right? That's, yeah, that's terrible. It sounds so. It's, yeah, it's so like, cool. It's it's you know I lucked out and I, and I'll give a shout out to Old Town Music because uh, if honestly if it wasn't for Hank uh, I'd have a lot more money. Um, <laughs> But uh, he's uh, he's never let me down with instruments, um, and I've gone through a lot. Everybody I've ever played with will tell you that uh, I usually show up with something new every practice, um, and usually they come from Old Town. <laughs> so it's kind of like a drug dealer. <laughs> he's um, your supplier. Lately, I've been really good about selling off guitars in order to fund new guitars, so I've been better about it, but... Uh, a lot. You're swapping out the generations. Um, the next band we have on the list, I, I wanted to talk to you about your favorite electric guitar because yeah. it's a song called Capsized by Samian. Sam I Am. Sam yeah. I Am. Okay, yeah. I I, I wasn't familiar with this track, is, but the guitar recording is so in your oh, face. Man, there. So there was kind of this early emo, before emo became crap, um, before you know, I, I like Dashboard Confessional, but Dashboard Confessional ruined what was a great genre of music. Um, he's great, but he ruined an awesome. He mainstreamed. Like, he did, and because yeah. bands like Sam I Am and Knapsack, um, you know, Armchair Martian, these groups were they defined this sound. Um, and Sam I Am, I think, out of all of them, they've always been the best for me. Uh, I found their CD in a dollar bin at Django, and uh, yeah, they're they're one of the bands that I from that genre that I just didn't get into. I didn't know yeah. that well, um, obviously. Uh, but Capsize, this this recording was it's a good song. Gosh, I wonder how many guitar layers they put on this. Yeah, thing. it's 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 good. Yeah, this is fantastic. Nice. So this is Capsize by Sam I Am. After that, we've got uh, kind of a B side from Jeff Buckley called Vancouver. More with Chris Margolin here on PRP. I hate you still, yet I imitate you. You're in my dreams, pushing me around. No 
What a shame that we only have two records from Jeff Buckley. Man, one of the best vocalists of all time. The night he died, U2 and uh, Elton John were on tour and, and R.E.M., and they all dedicated live performances to Jeff. He, like I said, is one of my favorite vocalists, and Chris Margolin is my special guest. And anytime I've seen Chris perform, you can peel paint off a of wall, man. <laughs> so talk to me about your vocal prowess yeah, and how yeah. you got there. I think I got there. I mean, honestly, I, I got there by overdoing it a lot um, when I was like 16 to 21 um, and just destroying my throat because uh, I had no idea how to sing. Uh, I still don't have really any idea how to do it. Um, but it's loud. Uh, it's, it's, I, sound guys don't always like me. Uh, <laughs> luckily, like Mick over at Doug Fur, who, who's done most of our shows there, he knows me well enough to, to know that my sound checks are like half the volume that I'm going to get. And then I'm going to get way louder than that, too. Um, and it doesn't matter if I've got an acoustic guitar in my hand or, you know, playing with a, a hard rock band. It's it's loud. Have you done any busking? Um, maybe once or twice when I was, a high, you know, in high school. But no, I don't. I, I wouldn't need a microphone, that's for sure. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, there are there are some. I mean, I've I've played. Uh, I've lost some some residency gigs over the years. Because I've been too loud, and and it's yes, I can sing, I can sing softer, uh, but I don't always know how I'd want to. Yeah, I mean that's uh, your that's your art, and you know on the other side, I know some artists who are known for singing softly. Yeah, it's it's you know it comes with the territory. It's why I, you know it's it's one of the main reasons Lucy Gray worked, and and it was a very different type of vocals for me. I'd never. I never had to sing that heavy before, um, which was an awesome experience. It's loud, um, and and I definitely there are venues where I don't need a mic. I, I mean, there have been times where uh, I can't turn down anymore. Um, <laughs> you don't need monitors. I, no, <laughs> I don't need anything. I, it's uh, it's it's fun, but uh, it's you know it's cost me a lot of hearing over the years. You talked about some of your favorite live performances. Now that we're talking about recording, what are some standout? good or bad stories from the studio you'd like to share? <laughs> you know, I've had great experiences. Um, recording, recording the Frame by Frame EP, was a, was, that was a really, a really good time. We, we were fresh out the gate. We hadn't been around very long. and We put together, you know, six really fast songs. Or, you know, we put together these songs pretty quickly. Um, and it was, it was the perfect thing to do because we didn't really have enough time to think about it. Um, we just went in, we recorded it. We were, it, that band early on was, was masterful. I mean, it, it grew and grew and grew, um, until we became, I think a little too, uh, almost, almost where dead bird collection is. We hit that kind of alt country line at times. Um, it was a great, you know, it was, it was what it needed to be. So no massive fights in the studio. Until no, no, no. I mean, well, I, you know, the, the last, I will say the last Dregs album, I mean, if we were going to get to a contentious, you know, that we really didn't talk to each other. We, we got together sort of to figure out what we were going to record. We, we were at a point where our personalities just, they clashed too much to be around each other. Um, and I think as far as like worst recording experiences and every one of those guys would say the same thing. It was, I don't think, you know, on a super small band level, I don't think it could be, oh, you know, more prima donna and <laughs> stupid. Um, but just that was, that was a rough, that was a rough recording session. Cause it seems to me like you're the type of artist that would love to do something in a live esque setting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, it's taken a while. I, Stefan Hawks at, at Interlace, um, He's, I've known him for years, and uh, both he and, and Chris Fick, have, they've got this weird way of making me really comfortable in a studio, and I, I'm not. I don't, I don't like to stand in a box and do it. It's not, I, you know, I enjoy the after part of it, um, and honestly, for me, I like watching the musicians do their work. Um, I'm, you know, it, it's fun to play guitar, but I like watching the rest of the sounds. I love writing the songs. Um, but I like watching other people. So studio time is fun. It's, it's fun for an experience, but yeah, I, I want to get on the stage. I, I'm with you. Yeah. The, the, 
It's fun to be in the studio until it's your time to record <laughs> something and everybody's listening. Yeah. Uh, once again, uh, Chris is playing on Thursday night. You can win tickets right now. Two guest passes to next Thursday um, at the Doug Fur Lounge. You're going to text PRP to 83350. We've got some live performances coming up in the next half an hour. Um, before that, we're going to move along in the playlist. This is one of my favorite singer-songwriters from his sophomore effort called Den of Ecstasy. This is Chris Whitley with Never here on Portland Radio Project. He just said it, In Spite of Ourselves by John Prine here on Portland Radio Project. That was an influence brought in by Chris sure Martelin. Yeah, tell me about that guy. Um, uh, really, it's, it's, that's, that's all my wife. Uh, that's Courtney. She, uh, she sings great bedtime stories to, uh, to her daughter. And, uh, and really, she, you know, she grew up on John Prine, and, and she, we, started, uh, we started playing some songs together. Um, and that was kind of the first one that we chose that that worked. It worked really well. Um, and we've written a few more since then. And and that's just that song. That's a perfect song. Great harmonies. So it, it is whimsical. It's just the, the lyrics. You can't you can't beat it. It's it's a good song. So what do you think about that as an artist? We've all been talking tonight about the progress of artists, and I'll use one of my favorite examples. You can't be Eddie Vedder and make ten. 20 times you know you're gonna have a point where if you're successful unless you're a political band that has fodder all the time you're gonna run out of reasons to be pissed off and yeah. you, you should evolve and, and you know <laughs> write songs so. for your kids yeah or, you know, what she's doing absolutely. what are your feelings about that you know um <laughs> there was a stage where i tried the you know i can't write happy songs and and the reality is yeah i, I can um, I just wasn't in the right headspace to do it for a lot of years, and you know it's it it's nice to feel like there's another side now I can explore. So, you know, as as I'm starting to write a little bit for you know for another EP down the road, um, it's good to be a little bit more positive. Yeah, for uh, sure. I mean, uh, it it can get really depressing to play you know to play a bunch of sad songs. I mean, they're super emotional. I get really really into them, and and you know, I know I make the weirdest facial expressions on the planet when I sing, <laughs> um, but there comes a time when you gotta switch it up. Yeah, uh, and and frankly, I'm happy. You know, why why write a sad song uh, if I don't have to? Hey, amen to that. And we've got uh, some live performances coming up from you right now. And uh, have you tune up your guitar? Cool. Get your vocals ready. Um, this is Jason Isbell. Cover me up here on Portland Radio Project. Stick around. More live performance with Chris Margolin here on PRP. That's Cover Me Up by Jason Isbell, and now we are at the time of Sounds of PDX. Chris Margolin and the Dead Bird Collection is going to be playing some live tunes for us. Uh, Chris, let's, yeah. ta let's talk about this one. I, I haven't even talked about what song you're going to be doing. No, uh, this, is, uh, this is the Dead Bird Collection Agency. So this is, uh, this is kind of the song that started, the start of this whole mess. It was my ode to, ode to a former life. Nice. Um, yeah. Perfect. Well, the airwaves are all yours. Chris right. Margolin, live on PRP. I wanted it that way 
Great job, man! Thank you. Gosh, that's fantastic. That's a perfect like soundtrack song. <laughs> I it's, hope so. It's really moving. <laughs> I I would not complain about that. Thank <laughs> you. If you have connections anywhere, please. Uh, yeah, I'll see what the, I can the do. The album version is going to be incredible. It's beautiful. That's a super brutally honest song, man. That's gorgeous. Thank you. Um, while I've got you here in your element, before we do your next live performance, yeah. I wanted to ask you: What would you say to somebody? that comes up to you at a show and wants to get into what you're doing, that you've inspired them and they go, Chris, I heard you say that you used to not be able to sing well. Or, you know, what, what are you going to say to them to point them in the right direction and maybe avoid some of the, the roadblocks you hit? Uh, fake it till you make it. Hmm. Um, I mean, really, it's, you know, I, I, you pick up an instrument and you learn something on it. And, <laughs> I mean, there are some bands that get away with, you know, terrible sounds but they somehow get out there and, and to them it's not terrible and to their fans it's not terrible um it might not be my taste but you know i i like one period of miles davis more than another period of miles davis so but you know 
you do something that you love and you do it enough and you get as good as you can at it and then you don't pay to play shows you go out there and you you know you dig and you know I I grew up doing this in the era of postering so you know you spend eight hours on a Sunday uh, putting posters up on every pole in Portland um, you know until your hands bleed from all the staple wounds um, guerrilla marketing when it was yeah guerrilla marketing. I mean really just have fun like that's the biggest thing is have fun and build a community uh, Travis Williams from audio sequence really really you know he his whole focus is building a community of musicians and it's that Lisa Lapine tribe element and it's awesome because we have a core group of friends you know I know like adverse effects on the on the kind of hip-hop R&B side is doing the same thing and it's creating this collective of musicians who are who are so willing to support everybody that they can um, and it hasn't felt that way in a long time hmm. so it's a perfect time to, th- to get started yeah that's and great advice man put down the Casios and the stupid computer things pick up you know like Dave Grohl you know pick up the real instruments and go play music yeah go go uh, look at vintage instruments if you haven't done yeah, that then you'll leave, then you'll get hooked leave Dr. Luke alone <laughs> like, he, can, he can go do his thing in a corner yeah he's he can sit on yeah. a PC uh, well what's this next live song we've got um, and then after that we're actually uh, it's it's beautiful timing. We've got one more live performance by Chris, and then we're going to be playing his uh, brand new single, Fume, uh, like he said early in the show, which is previously known as Wrecking Ball, but another artist kind of took that title and ran with it. So what's the uh, what's the name of this track? This is uh, I'm going to play a song uh, called Back Booth. It's the uh, it's the opening track of the song, and this uh, this originated as a frame by frame song and huh. got carried over to uh, to Dead Bird. Um, and it goes like this. Brilliant. Got a quarter tank of gas, twenty in my wallet, and going too far. And I heard every word you said. Every word I said And I think I've gone too far Until the gas gauge turns to red Until it gets you out of my head I'm going drinking Until it's lights up and last call Until I forget it all I'm going drinking I'm at the back booth of this bar I got a bourbon in my hand And I got a smile on Until I light my cigarette And feel my brow begin to sweat Like baby I've done you wrong Until the gas gauge turns to red Until it gets you out of my head I'm going drinking Until it's lights up and less cold Until I forget it all I'm going drinking Until the gas gauge turns to red Till I get you out of my head, I'm going drinking. Chris Margolin, live on Portland Radio Project. That is from Chris Margolin. Thank you for sharing that oh, with thank us. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. I Gosh. appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's good to be on Portland Radio Project. Yeah, man. Well, I, I, we've heard the one single earlier in the hour that you released last month. Now we're going to play Fume. And more importantly, I can't wait to hear these songs live. Oh, man. They, you know, the band sounds good. Um, Aaron DeRoso on drums and, and, uh, and Dave Newfeld on, on bass and Kivit Bedner on guitar. And, I didn't know Kivit was playing with you. Yeah, so nice. Kivit from the Pining Hearts yeah. is, uh, is playing, and, and Aaron's in Falcon Heart. Um, 
it's a really good lineup. So it's a nice, it's really nice to have them on board for this. Uh, it's 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 a nice, comfortable home. Uh, so Chris, I want to thank you for sharing yeah. your art and stopping by tonight. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, we're at the close of the show. We're gonna um, play your new single. Uh, fume, and uh, I wanted to give you a chance to give any shout-outs before we send yeah, you off. Yeah, you know, really just a big thanks to everybody who's listening. Thank you to the community of Portland musicians out there. You do a great job. Keep plugging away at it. Whoever you are, whatever sound you're making, just keep making it. And uh, big shout-out to uh, you know to the rest of the boys in the Dead Bird Collection. <laughs> and uh, I thank love you it. guys. Thanks to Portland Radio Project. You are always welcome, my friend. Well, here we are. Enjoy your Thursday evening. Brand new music from Chris Margolin and the Dead Bird Collection. Fume here on PRP. You've been listening to Sounds of PDX. Join me every Thursday night from 7 to 9 on prp.fm, Portland Radio Project.